and we're rolling. So thanks, ladies and gents, for uh, tuning into my podcast. And uh, today I'm very excited to have uh, a man who I look up to on the podcast. And uh, he is very knowledgeable and he's going to be dropping knowledge bombs galore today. Uh, and it's, it'll be good to hear his story. So anyway, he is uh, basically an expert when it comes to nutrition and, and health and numerous other things. He also, um, he, has, he has degrees, um, which I can't even pronounce, and qualifications, so they must be good ones. He's also been on the cover of Men's Fitness. He's a very successful entrepreneur. Um, the guy is extremely healthy, and when it comes to health and fitness and nutrition, he's at the top of his game, which is why I brought him onto the, onto the podcast. And we're now sat in his uh, lovely cafe in, in Coogee in Sydney, and I'm, I'm about to pick his brain. So uh, welcome to the podcast, Moody. Um, if you could just tell us a little bit more about your background, and uh, that'd be great, man. Thanks, Martin, man. Um, pleasure to be here. And, you know, with a, a like-minded individual like yourself and, you know, who's on the same, on the same page, on the same wavelength, you know, and pursuing a fitness, uh, a career in fitness, not just uh, purely for themselves, but genuinely likes to help others. And I've, I've seen that happen in the gym. Yep. Um, now, going back to, to my background, it's a little bit of a colourful past. Um, I didn't... Uh, Strate- I didn't strategically go into uh, venture into the health and fitness industry directly. It was a, a sort of a secondary effect. Okay. Uh, primarily started uh, in nuclear medicine, which is uh, diagnosing cancer, um, which is something that someone has to do. It just wasn't for me. Right. Um, it was just very, very difficult, um, a very difficult thing to do. Mm, it sounds you know, very it's difficult. Great, it's great when it's good news and, you know, it's not a... Uh, a tumor it's or if it is it's uh, benign it's not malignant that's great but sometimes it's bad news and to stomach that and digest that and having to to break those that news to a family is not something that i wanted to do on a day-to-day basis of course from, yeah from there i i, I went into a, a double degree in mathematics um and started teaching opened up a tutoring center lecturing mathematics tutoring um now people might listen to that and say oh you know wow you must be so smart mathematics is the hardest course or the hardest subject out there it was for me it was an opportunity to make an earn because everyone struggled in mathematics Mm -hmm. whereas i didn't so i took a lazy route so i don't pride myself on uh, i wouldn't call it lazy knowing mathematics don't be too hard on yourself i wouldn't call Uh, it lazy (laughs) i I did it i did it out of purely just to pay mums i come from a single parent home Mm -hmm. Uh, mum didn't speak english and I had four sisters and mum to look after. Wow. So the objective was to, to basically make an income to support my family. Otherwise, we'd be on the street. Mm. So mathematics was um, an opportunity because everyone hates maths. You either love it or hate it. And more people hate it than love it. Oh, and, sure, yeah. and that's a, that was a, an op, you know, just an opportunity in the making for me. So I jumped into, onto that bandwagon um, and tutoring for mathematics was good money. Um, and at, at the moment, at that particular time, it was something that, that mattered because it, may, it meant whether the family got to have a roof over their head or got to have dinner that night. So it was, yeah. it was imperative that I make an income. And it was a complete um, culture shock or a change of objective because after uni, all I wanted to do was travel and just do volunteer work. But you can't do volunteer work and support a family. So no. 
in the, it, juggle, juggle all of that and yeah, sport came out the yeah, other side. I mean, but it obviously, was, you've had to put a ridiculous amount of hard work in, and uh, your work ethic is definitely inspiring, man. Honestly, and um, yeah, like you said, the story, the story you have behind you, and the fact that you've um, become extremely successful purely through hard work and through you know expanding and evolving as a person and and basically applying yourself in life and learning as much as you can and that's, I mean, that's what you have you have to do you have to constantly you know assess your surroundings assess your environment and adapt and if you if you're not dynamic in that sense you're just going to fall behind in any industry for sure you, yeah. know, you have to brush up on your knowledge i was com- competing in the imba international natural bodybuilding association for many years whilst i was teaching and doing all that Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a natural transition and the research component was because I was curious and I couldn't afford to buy an abundance of supplements so I had to know which ones actually worked mm. there was no Google back then I'm 39 mm. so I had to sit in the university library and go through article after article because yeah. you know the answer Breaking wasn't, in, the answer wasn't in Flex magazine with all due respect yeah. um, but that's more <coughs> of an entertainment um, yeah. uh, uh, you know form of um, material to me whereas I would look at research articles after research articles journal article after journal article to determine whether you know creatine was for me Mm. glutamine actually worked did the creatine loading phase was that that legitimate yeah whilst we're on that topic as well I wanted to uh, delve a bit deeper into supplements and uh, how effective you think they are in the grand scheme of things because you mentioned creatine then and as far as I'm aware um, in terms of the studies creatine has the most scientific evidence to back up it actually works yeah so absolutely now uh, creatine in terms of what it does for strength mm-hmm. um what it does for recovery uh it has an array of different benefits uh and to to get the quantity of creatine that the body can benefit from from whole foods mm. is very very difficult to do yeah and the richest source of creatine uh, as we know, is red, red meat, meat yeah. and eating an abundance of red meat has been shown to be unhealthy. Absolutely, like it's not 2000- ideal for gut health, is it? No, no, no. In 2016, the World Health Organization released a conclusive study saying that if it's if beef is not if red meat's not grass fed, that it's it's not a situation of it may cause cancer. It actually does cause cancer. Yeah, exactly. If you consume more than 70 grams a day, which is just a, a mouthful right. for the average male. Because obviously the cows, you know, you're consuming what the animal what the animal consumes. So if you're eating um, a, a basically a cow which is uh, eaten, basically eaten wheat, then not only are you consuming that, but you're consuming like the genetically modified, like the pesticides they spray the wheat with and Absolutely. all the rest of it and the hormones they pump Man, into the cow pr- and whatever a pr- else. A prime example of that would be a gentleman who only weeks ago died from a penicillin overdose. Mm. And if you're allergic to penicillin, it's lethal. And that's why when you're doing surgery, uh, when you're about to undertake surgery, the, one of the first questions they ask you is, are you allergic to penicillin? And if you are, it's imperative that the doctor knows. So during the recovery phase, they don't give you antibiotics. Now, this gentleman was allergic to penicillin, didn't uh, consciously consume it, However, died from a penicillin overdose because there was a gradual buildup of it in his blood from the meat that he ate mm-hmm. uh, and the hormones and antibiotics and, and that he was consuming subconsciously. Jeez. It's insane. I'm glad yeah. we're on this topic now because this is something I was going to come to a bit later down the, down the line in the conversation. Yeah, I was going to mention about how important you think it is. I was going to, you've obviously just, just, you mainly just cleared up pretty much what I was going to ask you about meat. 
um, and how important it is to get good quality meat sources, um, you know, grass-fed or organic or whatever. Pretty much covered that. But I was going to go into fruit and veg and go into a bit more detail about how important you think it is to get certain types of fruit and veg uh, organic because I'm very, very aware now and very conscious about the fact that, um, you know, the pesticides they spray a lot of the, uh, the, the vegetables and the fruit with and different types. There's certain types which absorb the pesticides more, which then can trigger off uh, higher levels of estrogen in the body and obviously massively increase your risk of cancer and, and other illnesses or ailments. Um, what's your thoughts on that, Moody? Man, when it comes to fruit and veg, it's a very, very touchy subject when it comes to, you know, choosing organic. I know it's expensive, mm-hmm. but your health doesn't have a price on it. Like no. our general health and well-being, our ability to function. For sure, that's there's my no, message, there's no, yeah. there's no price on it. And eating organic and eating whole foods or as natural as possible is, is critical. But For when sure. it comes to fruit and veg... Mate, it's it's one of the most important things to source because the nutrients in fruit and veg are in the skin. Yeah, and if the pe- the pesticides and, yeah, for sure. and all the oh, and all the rubbish are going to absorb right into that skin. Oh, right yeah. into that skin. That's yeah, correct. Exactly. So if seventy percent of the nutrients are in the skin, and you're going to have to peel that skin because you've chosen a non-organic uh, uh, kiwi fruit, for instance, mm-hmm. then you're chucking out. You're consciously chucking out seventy percent of the nutrients in that in that whole food yeah exactly and that's so not what you want kind to do. of almost I, defeats I wanna, the purpose of having it doesn't yeah, it really? i want to buy kiwi fruit and wash it like an apple and you know bite through it with the skin and that's mm. and that's how i eat a kiwi what fruit. about like thick skin fruit like you know avocado bananas and stuff are they are they a bit they're generally a bit safer to get non-organic just i'm just thinking because some bit, of the listeners are not even eating you know some of them may not be eating hardly any veg and i'm just thinking to get them started you know obviously they, they need to get the veggie in one way or another don't they so like if they're i'm an hour about getting organic veg yeah um, you know which ones would you say uh, are the ones that are a bit safer Man, if, if you really spend a serious amount of time rinsing and washing your vegetables, you can get a lot of that rubbish out. Yep. However, when it comes to thicker skinned uh, vegetables and fruits, such as avocado, um, I would recommend not over peeling the inside. Well, right. Let's, let's look at the example of um, a mandarin or an orange or a grapefruit, for instance. Yep. People over peel citrus fruits and the pith that lies underneath that skin that we chuck out the 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 little extra bits of flesh on a banana that we chuck out that's Mm. where all the goodness is Mm. now dr oz made garcinia um globally recognized uh and it's a it's a good thing but you don't have to get it in capsule form Mm. you don't have to get hydroxycitric acid in capsule form just don't over peel a grapefruit or an orange and in that pith in that fleshy bit underneath, in between the actual fruit and the skin, mm-hmm. the hard skin, yeah, yeah, I know what you that's mean. where the hydroxycitric acid lies. Yeah. So if you just, you know, consciously eat that, yeah, that does wonders for your metabolism. Not only that, go. it actually regulates your cholesterol. Oh wow, that's really vitamin C, uh, a high vitamin C intake. It was actually an interesting study based on um, uh, overdosing on. This was intentionally overdosing on certain vitamins and minerals, and we know that vitamin A in excess is toxic. Mm. However, vitamin C, we've known that for a long time that it's not toxic and you just excrete whatever you don't, your body doesn't absorb. Mm. What they coincidentally found out was that it regulated the HCL-LDL relationship. Mm. So if you consume an excess of vitamin C, not only is it safe, mm. but it can prevent you from taking 
uh, within three days yep. get you off a cholesterol medication such as Lipitor. Wow, and awesome. Whilst we're on this topic now, uh, there's been a lot of debate lately about um, you know saturated fat and cholesterol and stuff and how cholesterol is really bad and um, you know it causes That's all these very, kinds very of... That's a very, very interesting topic. It is interesting. It, I was going to mention about the LDL and the HDLM because obviously with the, um, with the HDL, yeah. uh, this is generally the, uh, the better type of cholesterol, right? But with the LDL, people think it's all bad, right? No, the low density. And that's, and but the it's, the small, about, it's the small density particles fat, which are bad, the right? Thing, the same thing about saturated fat. Have yeah. you, how many labels have you seen on a, on a packaged product in the supermarket that deconstructs different types of saturated fat? Yeah. Never. Never. But no, you'll exactly. see unsaturated fat broken down broken into down, polyunsaturated, mono, poly, monounsaturated, yeah. but not all saturated fats are bad for you. Mm. The fats that you're consuming in coconut, yeah. That's they're medium, saturated fats. Yeah, exactly. But they're you reg- get medium chain fatty acids. Exactly, right that, so. but, but they're regulating your endocrine system. Exactly. They're making sure that the, a woman's hormonal balance is, is on par with fertility, mm. with a, a regular cycle. For men, it's regulating mm. your hormonal balance so that your testosterone levels are healthy. Mm. Uh, and that's saturated yeah, fat. Yeah, so doing some that. huge benefits from actually consuming uh, you know, a certain amount of saturated fat then. It's so the, avo- it's the avoidance of saturated fat that's re- resulted in fertility clinics in every street. There we go. There used to be one in every when i was growing up there was one in every major city that's it now there's a fertility clinic in every street it's ridiculous that's it. men, men and the over of sugar kids. and then as a result of that obviously us being brainwashed over the years with all these commercials you see on the tv telling us to eat cereal and to eat you know these refined sugars basically yeah um and then avoid saturated fat then that's leading to this big worldwide uh, obesity epidemic we have i i believe and i was going to get to uh the food industry and uh, get your input on how much of an effect do you think the food industry um, has had to uh, you know the general population? You know, bearing in mind that you know sixty odd percent of westernised countries, such as the UK where I'm from, uh, the USA and Australia where we're at now, you know sixty odd percent of the population are overweight um, or obese or whatever, and uh, that's quite a big number, quite a worrying statistic. It's massive. It is massive. If isn't you it? take that into if you take into consideration that we're a developed society an educated society, we have no excuse. Mm. There's no excuse for, for, for Triple M to call me up and say, Midi, what are your thoughts on a child, a 10-year-old child in Mount Druitt that died from any sleep because mm. of lack of oxygen going to his brain yeah. from being overweight? Yeah, that's There's it. no excuse for that. No. And it's, it's been embedded in our brains since the food pyramid was um, yeah, you know, plastered in every primary school in every, <laughs> in every developed country. Yeah. And if you look at the base of that food pyramid, which is upside down anyway, uh, if you look at the base of that food pyramid, it says seven to nine servings from memory of bread, pasta, cereal. Mm. Now, if you tried to consume seven to nine servings of bread and pasta, you probably could if you wanted to gain some weight. Mm. Uh, the only Seriously. person I know that probably wouldn't gain a serious amount of weight eating seven to nine servings of bread pasta bread and pasta would be michael phelps but <laughs> yeah, exactly if you're eating what i was curious about and this is what somewhat triggered my um uh, my curiosity when it came to nutrition was why cereal was mentioned seven to nine times a day when it's a breakfast food mm. and i found that interesting because why would you eat seven to nine servings of cereal? I know. And it was at the base of the food pyramid. Yeah. And then I did a little bit, of, a little bit more homework and discovered that the, the company that funded the food pyramid, and it's a very expensive venture. Mm. If, you're gonna, if I asked you to put a laminated poster inside every classroom in the country, that's a multi-million dollar venture. Mm. And that venture was funded by Sanitarium. Mm. 
Which is and a cereal it's company. It's the way, like, and going, going into, like, processed foods and artificial foods and, you know, the, the, the market, the food industry, and it's just saturated with these rubbish kind of foods which have no benefit to us. And Empty they calories. engineer, the food industry actually engineer these foods, um, not, you know, not caring about nutrition and our health, but more um, focused on it being palatable and us actually enjoying the taste of these foods, right? Which then, obviously, it's going to change, like, the biochemistry in your brain when it comes to the emotional attachment you get with these foods, right? Um, and, you know, a lot of people are brainwashing to just eat them without realizing Our taste the amount of clients I get. Yeah, and I get clients who are, they, or new clients who gen- genuinely think they're eating healthy, um, and they and then they eat processed foods out of packets for the most part, and they think, oh, you know, this is healthy, that's healthy. It's got fiber in it, it's got this in it, but they don't realize that you know it's got a list as long as my arm of ingredients uh, on it. And yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I call them pseudo foods because okay. they're, they're foods, they're edible. Yep, but they're not food. No, they're beha- they're, they're 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 posing as something that is food, hmm. but in actual fact. They, they're not because they're it. manufactured products and a prime example is like bread and pasta I know this is not like the, the most artificial food you can eat but like bread and pasta is what the Italians used to eat back in the day when they were super poor yeah. <laughs> you know to feed to a lot of people yeah exactly yeah. so it's like there's no I remember, logic I, I had family that were were, were, were eating uh, bread with tea so they would soak the bread in tea <laughs> to stay satiated. That's yeah, how exactly. poor they were. That's exactly it, mate. That doesn't mean that it's a nutritious diet. No, it's not nutritious. Is but it really? it's it, yeah, to but other foods. That's, it, it, what's interesting is that two thirds, if not eighty percent, of a supermarket will contain these manufactured pseudo foods mm. that have a con- confused our taste buds because mm. we now think that food has to taste like a Snickers bar. Yeah. We don't know what food tastes like anymore, so we've got to rediscover our taste buds. For sure. And the thermic effect of food has been completely eliminated. Now, mm. for the listener who does not, uh, you know, and you're not, as, I'm not saying this with any disrespect whatsoever, you're not born knowing what the thermic effect of food is. I didn't know what a macronutrient was. Um, it's something that you have that is learned. Mm. Uh, the thermic effect of food is how much energy your body requires to digest a certain food. Yep. Now, if something's manufactured or packaged, it eliminates the, the very need for the digestive system to put any effort in whatsoever. Mm. And if you're eating something that's manufactured, about 3% of what you consume is being used to digest that product. Let's take the analogy of uh, uh, a dinner that consists of 500 calories of manufactured produce that you've purchased from the supermarket and your body would expend about, say, three calories at max nine to digest it. Mm-hmm. So little to no effort. The, the other 497 calories, what's your body doing with that? Mm. Is it storing it? Are you have to, then your brain says, okay, do I have to train harder? Do I have to train again? Mm. Do I have to eat less later on throughout the day? We've got enough on our plate. We don't want to think about that. No. If you eat 500 calories for dinner consisting of whole foods, your body is expending about 150 calories to digest that, mm. the equivalent of a 20-minute power wall. And like you said about the uh, the taste buds and stuff and how we have to uh, retrain our body and uh, our mind, essentially, to eat these foods, to eat like stuff like veg, which people don't really eat enough of, and they find it really hard to eat, you know, which is I can relate to it because I used to be the same like um, a good few years back where I used to just, again, I was one of those ones who were brainwashed into eating cereal and and too much bread and pasta and whatever else and not really getting enough nutrients in. And then uh, once I got into the habit and forming, you know, the good habits of eating healthy foods and yeah. getting into that and feeling good and, and paying attention to how I felt and then start, and now I actually search for the veg because I actually 
my body screams at me when I don't get enough veg in there, and, you know? And you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, your, your, your taste buds enjoy greens. Mm-hmm. And that comes with knowledge. I, I didn't know what... I'd never eaten anything green to my 20s. Mm. So. And once you understand the why, mm. believe it or not, research has shown that your taste bud satiety towards that particular food group changes. Yeah. So you t- the way you taste food changes according to your physiological need mm. and changes according to your understanding of the why. Mm. Now, if I tell you eat broccoli, my son, who's eight years of age, knows that greens are good for you and, you know, a, a burger, for, for instance, a, a manufactured fast food burger is, is bad for you. Yeah. However, if you understand why broccoli is good for you or why greens are good for you and the fact, I'll give you an example, a, a cup of greens creates a caloric deficit because you're eating say 15 calories and you're burning approximately 60 to 70 to digest it wow, so you're in a caloric deficit of say negative 50 or negative 55 10 minute power walk yeah exactly. i always give the analogy of the power walk mm. because it's boring as hell mm. now if you can uh, have the equivalent of uh, a 10 minute power walk effectively just by eating your greens for dinner your taste buds towards the greens will then change. Yes, that makes And sense. as you age, your physiological needs <clears throat> change, which change your taste bud satiety as well. Mm. So you'll notice that the things that you like as a child will change when you're older. For sure, yeah. And when you understand the why, your taste buds will change as well. So yeah. I, I guarantee you, you've had mates look at your plate and say, yeah. how, do you, why, how are you eating that? It's I know, no me, taste. Me, it's me got, and Josh it's were got, saying this the other day. It's like it's you're the strange flavor. one. It's got no flow. How are you I eating know. that? But it, uh, what's it come to? Because Josh mentioned this to me the other day, and it's like the world has got <laughs> a bit crazy in the sense that you're now the odd one and the weird one and the one who gets looked at funny when you're eating healthy foods. Yeah. Like yesterday, I went over to the um, pavilion. I had some uh, friends here in town from back home, and they all ordered the pizzas, you know? And I was like, I'm just going to have a salad, you know? I don't, I don't want to have a pizza because if I wanted a pizza, I'd have it, you know? And occasionally, I do have rubbish foods for my yeah. mind, you know? Yeah. As you know, every now and then, it's socially cleansing, you know? And it keeps you, keeps you sane mentally, but never has any physical benefit having, no. a, having a pizza, and I'm aware of that. As long as you understand that. That's as long as you understand that, yeah. yeah. you're ahead of the game anyway. And, and it's just, I connect with how I'm going to feel afterwards. So it's like, oh, come on, just have a pizza. They're lovely. And I'm like, yeah, they do look lovely, but I know afterwards, I'm going to feel like going to sleep. And that's you know, what for a it start. is. It's yeah. the ripple effect. And ripple once effect. you understand the ripple effect, and this is of good food and bad food, yeah. Again, your taste bud satiety changes and the choices that you make subconsciously wow. will change. So uh, if, you eat, if you're eating something that's like a pizza, mm. uh, and, and not a, I'm not talking about a whole food pizza, something that's manufactured, yeah. uh, it has a negative ripple effect. So it may have artificial ingredients and preservatives in there that will potentially block nutrients three days later. Wow. So you might think, okay, I've eaten an, a, a pizza, now I'll eat an apple, and I'll fix my problems. And that's the vicious cycle that we have. Mm. Our relationship with food is a disaster. Mm. Food is either a form of a reward or punishment. Yes. Thank and you. And that's not Thank what it's about. the nail on the head. That's exactly food the is kind not of message I'm trying to get across. Food is yeah. not reward or punishment. Food is there for function yeah. and sometimes Fuel. for fun. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And it's okay, because, but you have to understand when and how much. Exactly. Now, if 80% of your diet or 85% of your diet is clean, you're going to look pretty good. Yeah. But if you're eating 80%, 85% rubbish... Don't expect to look good. No, exactly. On, on the, uh, the good news is one bad meal isn't going to make... If you did have that pizza that night, you're not going to wake up fat and no. overweight and exactly. looking like crap. 
you might feel a little bit that's lethargic, exactly it. but that's it's about how you it. Feel in it. I, I sort of connected connect the dots in terms of how I feel now. It's like mm, I don't really want to do that, you know, because I'll feel much better if I just have a salad. And the salad actually tastes good to me now, like you said, because you I'm more programmed it. into that. Yeah, you exactly. Can taste it. Definitely. The, 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 on, on, the, on the other hand, if you have something that's good for you, don't expect to wake up with a six pack. No. It's what you do. <laughs> it's what you do more than what you don't do that mm. ultimately will d- dictate the way you look and the way you feel. For sure. And people have forgotten that food dictates the way you feel not just the way you look that's it's it and, and it's we're, we're in a world full of it's where it's just all about aesthetics yeah exactly and that's and what i was gonna i was gonna get to that as a great point because um you know without blowing our trumpets you and me we, we tend to keep ourselves in good shape all year round but not having to think about it now because i can no, see by no. obviously the knowledge you've got it's just by getting our body into a healthy state by looking after our bodies and eating you know for the most part like you said I'm probably in about the 85 to 90 percent bracket when it comes to eating healthy for yeah. the most part. You know, yeah. I eat Same. 85 90 percent. Yeah, exactly. But we manage to stay aesthetically in shape now. Well, I've noticed you are as well, right? But we manage to do it now. I do anyway, um, based on me just you know seeking after good whole foods and looking after my body and not thinking about being in shape anymore. Now it's come as a side effect. Like aesthetically, I'm kind of in the shape of my life now. And that's simply from just putting health a priority, feeling good, focusing on drinking more water, getting enough sleep, eating the right foods for the most part. Feeling and once good. you're consistent with that, it's crazy what happens, isn't it, Mood? It's been, and, you, and there is no such thing as an off-season. Off-season, like you've been in the gym for, Thank a, you. for a while now. That too, and yeah. like you've been, you, your shape hasn't changed. There is no off-season, there is no, no on-season. And you're doing it because you enjoy it. I noticed that when I was competing, I stopped competing because I was up on stage saying, okay, this is what, healthy is meant to look like when it was quite the opposite yeah because being at a healthy percentage or bit healthy body composition you can still look aesthetically pleasing but what about happiness yeah exactly that's taken a back seat so you've got and you know, your social I, life and all the rest yeah, of yeah, the ta- sacrifice. I'm, I'm not i'm not going to name any name and shame any people but there are people out there that you know f- are flexing on instagram with their abs and with three or four million followers mm. and seeking help from people like myself or you or mm. naturopaths and sure. because they haven't had their period in five years and exactly. they're an absolute their endocrine system is a mess they're mm. infertile and why and they're unhappy exactly like just so you can be a certain percentage of body fat yep. create something that's sustainable for you mm. because i always say to say to people like you and i could have the spouse of our dreams the car of our dreams the house of our dreams but if we're hungry we are not happy no we're not no and, and that's what I noticed because um, I've competed myself about eight times now and I've got up to the pro level. Um, and along the way, I learned a lot and I, I witnessed a lot in terms of the people I was competing against and stuff and the kind of relationship they had with food and the relationship that I had with food as well. When I, I had a terrible kind of... When I look back, it was essentially, it was like an eating disorder where I would... Um, well, it it, you were more You were probably more educated going into it than I was, but I was still learning along the way. And um, what I how noticed... Long, is, how long was your prep? My prep, oh, so I, I done like a six-week prep once. That was the shortest one I've done, so, six weeks. So six weeks. And that's nothing com- in comparison to what people are doing 20 weeks these days. Exactly. Because they are getting that out of shape. and yeah. they're in, they, they can't use the same diet twice no. because of the yo-yo effect that they put their bodies through. Oh, they exactly. have to un- you have to understand that a five-kilogram discrepancy, whether it's up or down, hmm. takes your anatomy 12, years, sorry, 12 months to adapt to. Hmm. 12 months mm, so crazy. people are gaining five kilos after a comp right sometimes six or seven or eight that takes 12 months to adapt to so of course it's going to take you t- you know 12 20 weeks to prep for a comp yeah exactly i had to prep 
for when I was competing in the IMBA, I remember my prep going from anywhere from 10 to 14 days. Mm. And I said wow. to myself, if I had to do what my peers were doing and go through a 20-week prep, I would not be in that sport. I would not be no, competing because sure. it's not worth it. That's it. And I, as you, you say, know, all they're year taking, They're taking time off work to yeah. prepare for a competition yeah. that involves winning a trophy. I know, exactly. That's it. Is you it know, really worth it? In the grand is scheme it worth of things? it? And the insecurity, I mean, a lot of people do it as well. This is what I was trying to get out to the listeners as well. It's, I'm sure there may be a few who are thinking about competing or have got friends who've competed. And it's just, it's just trying to um, get the message across and inform people that if you're going to go into it, you need to go into it for the right reasons, you know? For the right reasons, then do it and gradually. Do it slowly. Definitely. If you do it fast, your temperament's going to change. Yep. Because 85% of what you, 85% of it, the, the way you think and the way you feel is dictated by how you eat. Mm. And how many people wow. break up with great. their spouses, break up with their, their husbands and wives during prep? Some of them get back together after prep when they've had a refeed. Yeah. But that should not be the case. It Say shouldn't that even again. be on I can't the table. Because you know your stuff and that just goes to show, right? You said, what was the percentage you said in terms of what you eat? 85%. Wow. Well, 85% of cognitive and physiological diseases are food related. Wow. They're micronutrient related. How Those many things true. are micronutrient related? Yeah. How many things are not really diseases yeah. and are actually micronutrient deficiencies? It's, it's so We've crazy. gotten so caught up in proteins, carbs and fats because of the way things are labeled. We've forgotten about micronutrients. Mm, well, exactly. When Australia, oh, if it fits your macros. Yeah, what's your thoughts on that? <laughs> mate, you know what? There's no, if, if you're going to follow it for aesthetic purposes because that's the only benefit that I see, mm-hmm. and as long as you're f- tracking your micronutrients, yep which a lot of people don't, they don't. Then, that, then that's okay. But to, to tell me that a Pop-Tart is the equivalent of a fruit salad, exactly. Man, who are you it's trying to keep? I joke. remember Phil Heath being interviewed not even two years ago maybe, and they asked him, I think it was Mark Lobliner that asked him, what do you think about the If It Fits Your Macros community? And he's like, what, what's that? He had no idea what it was. Exactly. Because, and he said, you know, the guys that think a Pop-Tart and you know, eating a sweet potato is the same as long as the carbs are the same. And he's like, what kind of what kind of nonsense is that? Mm, exactly, and that, that's you know, gut flora though. That's, 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 that's Phil quick. Heath, and if it's coming out of his, he didn't even know what it was. No. Now, micronutrient deficiencies are have been confused for diseases since the beginning of you know the the settlement of Australia. Yeah. Right. So, 1788, cap, half of half of Captain Cook's fleet was lost to scurvy. The government sold vitamin C capsules well, the, the public didn't know it was vitamin C but the public sold what was alleged to be medication to the community for maybe two decades at the equivalent of what would be $2,000 a bottle today right and it was merely vitamin C tablets but nobody knew that mm. scurvy was simply a vitamin C deficiency but scurvy still till today called a disease so how many other diseases are really just micronutrient deficiencies yeah exactly if you look it. at MS all the cognitive disorders, multiple sclerosis, Alzheimer's, uh, Parkinson's, they're all degenerative diseases of the mitochondria, which is the center of the cell. Yeah, exactly. Right? And what's the fuel source of the center of the cell? It's vitamin K. Exactly. So is it really a disease or is it really a micronutrient deficiency? Yeah. And that's what we have to ask ourselves. the mitochondria dies, basically you die with it, don't you? Absolutely. The cells can't communicate with one another. That is the energy component of the cell. Mm. That is the the furnace of the cell. Mm. And the gut flora, like to my understanding, this is something, don't quote me on this, but it's so complex in terms of what's going on inside us. And as you know, it's taken them a long time to do all the studies based on gut flora. And I'm finding it fascinating some of the studies that are coming out now. But yeah, we have like more, we're more bacteria than we are human, right? So we have 
we have more bacteria species in our body than there yeah. are animal species on the planet, right? That's what they're saying now based on all the new studies. I know obviously that's a bit vague, but it goes to show how much is going on inside the body in terms of our microbiome and our gut flora inside us, which is purely determined by, surely, what we're putting in our body, isn't it? Absolutely. So give, 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 give them, try and simplify, if you can, for the listeners, just gut flora and the impact in terms of Man, what you eat. I call, I call it your first your first brain okay i call the gut your first brain because your gut will Serotonin. dictate what happens with food mm-hmm. so if you're having uh once something once food is ingested once food is ingested mm-hmm. your brain will tell your body what you've eaten and the quantity of food you've eaten the type of food that you've eaten and release the gastrointestinal juices and enzymes necessary for breaking that food group down that's what will happen. Wow. Now, if your, gastro, if your uh, gut health is disrupted, that entire system is disrupted. Yeah. So your body and your gut does not know, A, what it's eaten. That's why bloating has become such a big thing. Mm. That's why um, not just bloating, but allergies and you know, uh, food intolerances have become such yeah, a big exactly. thing. People That's what I find intolerant. fascinating. You must see yourself now with them. Um, we were having a young lad and stuff. All the kids with like intolerances and stuff nowadays. Like, I mean, when I, even it's when ridiculous. I was in school, I mean, when I was in school, it wasn't. It was no one had. And this is even like what twenty years ago, no one had intolerances. Everyone's from what intolerant. I, I, mean, I get Why people coming that? into the cafe. Is this gluten free? Is this like some? And a lot Crazy. of them are genuinely, uh, you know, intolerant to dairy and intolerant to gluten, and that's okay. Yeah. If you are, and it's hereditary or if it's genetic, then by all means, uh, eat according to that. Uh, you know, to that allergy or to that, um, mm. to your circumstances. But if you're not, don't follow a diet that consists of no lactose and no gluten and then ask yourself three months later why you're lactose and gluten intolerant. Yeah, of course. You've created a, a, an environment in your body, in your gut, whereby your body does not need to break no. down that particular uh, uh, food group anymore. So yeah. it will stop producing the enzyme necessary to break down that yeah. food group. And then, hence the intolerance. Yeah, that's what I find so fascinating about the human body is how it literally is an adaptation machine. It will adapt Mate, it to It can anything, adapt right? to breaking down concrete, for God's <laughs> sake. So if you eat concrete long enough, your, your body will figure it. That's how intricate the body is. <laughs> it will figure out a way to break it down. Sure. You know, it might not utilize it. It might not have any, you know, any benefit to it, but mm. it will figure it out. Mm. And if you, again, if you stop consuming something, your body will stop producing the enzyme necessary. It's mm. unnecessary work. Yeah, and the body won't, won't, won't release the enzymes and gastrointestinal juices you know, necessary to break down that particular food group. Makes, makes perfect sense. And what I did uh, um, pick up on, one, on your Instagram the other day was uh, one of your seminars you were doing. It was just a little snippet. And uh, you mentioned about how we spend uh, probably, you, you mentioned something like six hours a day Absolutely, breaking yeah. food down. You know, we're essentially, I mean, looking at American statistics is what I've gathered anyway. On average, the average person moves, does about 4,000 steps a day in America right now. Yeah. So that's like, what, 20, 30 minutes of walking. Um, they're spending a hell of a lot more time eating than they are actually walking. Um, but you mentioned about actually the six-hour window, wherever it was, about roughly, just yeah. for argument's sake, about the amount of time our body's spending working hard, breaking down food, as yeah. opposed to actually you know, exercising or whatever it was. So if you can elaborate on that a bit, that would be great. The sad thing is, a lot of people, are, uh, 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 and this is what I want the listeners to stop doing, stop eating while you're walking. I don't care how much you are in, how much of a rush you're in, stop eating while you're walking. Sit wow. down and have your food, because the rate at which food hits your esophagus, water hits your esophagus, 
whether it's liquid or, or solid, is not an accident when you're sitting. We used to have dinner as a family sitting down. Now we eat standing, we eat while we're walking, we drink while we're walking, we're always on the go. On the move, yeah. It's an absolute disaster. What's your uh, thoughts on walking after you've eaten though? Because I've heard there's good benefits. Is if you look at longevity and stuff like that in terms of Mediterraneans, Japanese people, they always tend to go on just a light walk after they've eaten. Do you think that has it, benefits it, for digestion? It has, bene- it has benefits after the digestion process has commenced. Yeah. But when you're sitting down, the rate at which food hits your esophagus is different to when you're standing. Mm. And that's not, a, that's not an accident. When you're sitting down, food hits your esophagus at, say, two and a half centimetres per second, goes, slows down to five centimetres per second, speeds up to three. And that's, a speci- that's specifically the amount of time that it takes for your brain to register what you've eaten and how much you've eaten. So it can release the right enzymes and the right quantity of enzymes when the food hits your small and larger intest- lower in, uh, smaller and larger intestines and your stomach to, 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 to get the digestive system well underway and absorb the micronutrients. It's not just about pre- preventing bloating. Mm. It's about absorbing the nutrients from the food. And that's what sure. it comes down to. Oh, yeah, exactly. And if you're standing, that speed changes. If that speed changes, your brain is not going to catch up mm. to what you've consumed. And if it doesn't, then it creates gastrointestinal distress. Mm. And gastrointestinal distress is not just an issue of aesthetics. It doesn't just look bad. And it doesn't just create bloating. And the blo- you know, and you hear a lot of people saying, oh, I wake up with a flat stomach, but by dinner time I look like I'm six months pregnant. Mm. It, it's not just an issue of bloating. If you are bloated, you are more than likely not absorbing the nutrients from the food. You are causing gastrointestinal distress. You are causing blockages in the arteries. You are solidifying the food that has become liquid in your stomach, in your intestines, going through your blood. You are increasing exponentially the likelihood of a stroke, heart disease, cancer, diabetes, etc. So there's nothing positive that comes from it. Mm. Sit your ass down and have, you, have your food, even if it takes 10 or 15 minutes. Let the digestive uh, process start or commence and then start drinking water mm. afterwards and go for a walk. Mm. Don't drink while you're eating. No. Don't walk straight away because drinking dilutes the enzymes in your stomach that yeah. are trying to do their job. Yeah. And you don't want to do that. You dilute those enzymes, they can't break the food down anymore. Exactly. So drink leading into a meal, start your food, start recommence the drinking and the walking roughly 15, 20 minutes after. Yeah. Uh, and and on, on you'll, you'll topic, eliminate gastrointestinal distress. Wow. And on that topic, I was going to mention how important chewing your food is as well. I've started to really make a conscious effort now of actually trying to slow down what I eat and actually thinking about chewing my food. And, you know, it's not just like, apparently it's not just a small part of digestion. It's actually quite a big part. It's a massive we, part of, man, even... Because we, we inhale we, our food, don't we? <laughs> we inhale it. We eat like alligators. We don't even chew our food anymore. But you, you know what? Even even eating de- developed, so even our ancestors had it right. They understood that eating with your hands even had a purpose. Mm. Chewing a certain number of times had a purpose. They knew that it helped with digestion and it prevented gastrointestinal distress. Maybe they didn't know the scientific reasons as to the extent of the damage that it would cause if you didn't, but they had an idea as to the benefits of doing so. Mm. So let's take, for example, eating with your hands versus eating with a knife and fork. Your fingertips actually release a flora when you touch food that makes it that activates the nutrients in the food and makes it more biologically available. Wow. That is news to me. <laughs> Just touching the food. 
course you showed, didn't it? So, and that's we didn't and have that's the luxury how our that's how our ancestors used to eat, and yeah. we and. Out, you know, and I get uh, a lot of people still very, do though, isn't it? If you go to Thailand, yeah, and stuff, and these I, indigenous tribes, you know, they yeah, and do. I get a lot of naive people, you know, telling me, oh, you know, wh- why the, you know, for example, the Asian community will eat with a with chopsticks, and but we have knives and forks. Why are they still using chopsticks? Yeah. Listeners, chopsticks were invented after the knife and fork. The caveman is capable. You can give an orangutan a fork, and he'd be able to use it, or she'd be able to use it. But not the, 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 the Asian society used the, the, the chopsticks to differentiate between the animal and the human being because oh. it takes a human being to use chopsticks. It takes intellect to use chopsticks yeah. versus using a knife and fork. Chewing your food a certain number of times, your saliva plays a large role in breaking down and certain activating enzymes. the nutrients yeah. in the food before it hits your intestines. Yeah. yeah I, find, I, find it, I find it fascinating as well how how we've kind of again we've been um, given a load of bullshit to put it in uh, layman's terms when it comes to you know eating little and often remember you know I used to do it uh, leading up to shows and stuff but people are still convinced that eating little and often and eating food every couple of hours is really really important you know it keeps your metabolism elevated and all this bullshit information we've been given and I find it fascinating now how it's almost going back to ancient times and all the all the new studies coming out now it's like okay intermittent fasting for example you know yeah. back in the day two million years ago um, we would sometimes make sense go possibly a few days without food yeah we would eat what's available yep uh, and they've got they've got some evidence to prove this as well um, so it, it's just funny how now it's almost like and and stuff like having saunas and having cold showers all this new stuff coming through which is um, it's information we've had for years millions of years you know so it's millions millions of years and that's the thing it's not since the Paleolithic era 20,000 years ago, it's millions of years ago yeah. that we used to do the. Our ancestors had it right. Our ancestors were semi-vegetarian, for God's sake. Yep. They, were, they were pescatarian. Mm. Most, of, most of our ancestors were pescatarian. Very rarely did they eat chicken and red meat. In some societies, it was, it was actually banned to eat red meat more than once or twice a week. Mm. It was banned because they knew that it caused problems. It caused gastrointestinal problems oh, really? they didn't understand the science behind it or the extent of the damage to which it caused but at the same However, time they, they would get a lot of bad. nutrients they would get a hell of a lot of nutrients though wouldn't they from certain types of like obviously red meats you know if it's grass fed absolutely yeah and if it's cooked in a certain way if you overcook your meat the only thing you're left with is protein mm. and that's the argument that i have even with organic meats versus non-organic meats yes it has 100 grams of organic and non-organic chicken both have 30 grams of protein mm. but are we just eating it for the protein? What about the B vitamins in red meat? Sure. What about the creatine? What about the conjugated linoleic acid? Yes. The CLA that targets stubborn fat? Exactly. And, the what about that? and that, that's actually been banned. Last yeah. year, I got, a, I got fined at Customs for coming in with CLA. Wow. That's, an, that's like fining me for having an apple. Yeah, exactly. What do you, uh, and it's actually banned. I said, why are you fining me 370 odd dollars or something like that for a, a, a product that costs 11.99 at GNC in the US mm. and they said because it's banned in Australia I said that, that's news to me it's a how do you ban an essential fat yeah it's like banning it's, it's the equivalent of fish oil it's crazy man. so they've banned that because because meat? because they serve industry not humanity that's what exactly. it comes that's, down that's to that's exactly what it comes down to it's, it's they, the money serve, serve, they want they want us if you're overweight you need medication you need help you need 
You know, it causes diseases, and and does it, and they give you these band aid remedies for sure through medications. When pills, you know, there's a pills. cure for everything in food. That's that's exactly it. And that's a, whilst we're on that topic now, I was going to see if you have any advice uh, for people, you know, listeners who are looking to lose a bit of body fat or maybe overweight, and they can't seem to get on the right tracks. You know, because like I said, there's a lot of uh, bad information out there. What would be your kind of tips for someone who, uh, you know, is just generally overweight looking to Man, get that, started? Approximately 95%, that, that high of a percentage of people that approach me that are overweight or their, their weight is they're not commensurate with their height. So their skeletal structure is carrying too much weight on their frame and they've got gout or arthritis, etc. Most of them aren't eating enough. Mm. It's the opposite. They're wow. eating too little. So their body is... You know, has learnt their ghrelin hormone is through the roof, that's right. and their resting metabolic rate. What is the ghrelin? The ghrelin hormone is the hunger hormone. Right? That's the hunger hormone. And, and what it, about the leptin levels? That's the satiety hormone. Right? Leptin is the satiety hormone, but it, yeah. they play more of a role in just satiety and hunger. Yeah, for sure. They dictate basically your resting metabolic rate. So yeah. leptin will, you know, basically allow your body to function on three thousand calories a day, and that's a lot more fun. Mm. Being able to eat three thousand yeah, calories sure, yeah. a day to survive. Definitely, and then eating, being able to eat more because mm. you train, that's where you, that's that's what you want because mm. that's going to keep you happy. But if you if your body is you know is rife in leptin, mm. in ghrelin, sorry, it will learn to function on five hundred calories a day, mm. and that's why you know intermittent fasting does work, and but creating. A lifestyle it's another stress out of on these. the body, though, and unless you get your body into a healthy state and start eating the right you've foods, be, it is a stress yeah, on the body. You, isn't it? You, so. It's a stress on the body, and you've got to make the right choices. Yep. And you've got to eat an abundance of food. With intermittent fasting, the problem is the rules have changed for that. And I did an interview on a current affair not long ago regarding intermittent fasting. And the rules for intermittent fasting have changed by the creator of the diet. Um, would you call I, it? You would call I it wouldn't a diet? say him the creator of the diet because it's been around since the beginning of time. Exactly. He's changed the rules four times. Mm. What? And they asked me, why do you think he's changed the rules four times? Well, clearly because people are hungry. Mm. Eating 500 calories a day, your body will learn how to function on five. You, your body is very, very intelligent. Mm. Your body will learn how to function on 500 calories Again, a day. That's not a very good thing because then when you consume 2,000 mm. with the other 1,500, your body's going to store that as fat because yeah, physiologically, sure. we're not capable of doing anything else. No. I find that interesting that people come to you and they're not normally eating enough, so they're eating very little calories. Um, I, don't get, I don't experience that very often. Maybe I do. Actually, it's probably half and half, I've noticed. But anyway, when they come to you, what would be uh, generally if they're not eating enough? And I, I guess for the most part, they're not probably eating the right foods either, I guess, is it? And Absolutely. Then, I, I yeah. would say, and, and when you say the word diet to them, as soon as you say to them, oh, I'm going to put you on a diet, yeah. they freak out. That, I hate that word. It's got a negative <laughs> connotation associated. The word diet is merely what you eat to sustain life. Yeah. The diet of a lion is what a lion eats to survive. Mm. So it's not, that's all it is. Mm. So if you, the first exercise that I would like somebody to, and, and listeners do this at home, Go on this so-called diet. Start your clean eating and do it tomorrow. You're, you're account because you've, if you've heard this today, you're accountable tomorrow. You're not accountable from Monday. There's nothing special about starting diet on Monday. Mm. You're accountable now. Mm. Once you know something, you're accountable immediately for not only applying what you know, if it's good for you, but also sharing that information, which is what we're doing and what you're doing here today. Thank you. So what you need to do is, what I would like you to do for homework is get two pieces of paper out. On one piece of paper, write down all the foods that you're now going to stop eating. On the other piece of paper, write down a list of all the foods that you've been neglecting 
subconsciously. When's the, for example, when's the last time you ate a yellow capsicum? When's the last time you ate something that's, you know, green in colour? Mm. Write down the list of those whole foods, and I guarantee you that list of whole foods is going to be a lot longer and a lot harder to, to, to commit to on a day-to-day basis than the, the list of foods that you now have to avoid. Mm. And that's, that, that's the first thing you should do. Fix up your pantry, clean out your pantry of rubbish, clean out your fridge, go grocery shopping after you've eaten after you've eaten, don't go grocery shopping hungry because you end up buying a whole bunch of stuff you don't need and don't want. And then fill up your pantry and fill up your fridge with whole foods. And there are so many different, even snacks these days, the amount of healthy snacks that exist these days, there really is no excuse. Before you used to have to source you know, specialty supermarkets to source these you know, uh, ingredients and whole foods and organic produce. You can find it at Coles and Woolies now. You know, Woolies has the macro brand. Coles has their own organic brand. Why are we eating anything else? It mm. does not make any sense. Doesn't, does it? Avoid the pesticides. Avoid the, the rubbish that goes with it. And just use colors mm. to, to dictate. what. You ask yourself, when's the last time I ate something yellow? When's the last time I ate something orange? Mm. Even, don't, and don't be ashamed of you know, approaching something with a, a, a layman type approach. Because even elite athletes are educated that way. Yeah. See, we're not born knowing what micros and macros are. Mm. So nature has made it easy for us. Use colors to dictate the way you eat and eat whole foods and your resting metabolic rate will increase. You don't need to start a detox on Monday. Eating whole foods is a natural detox anyway. So if you start eating whole foods for a week as of Monday, within, within three or four days, your body will have detoxed itself. Your alkaline, and people talk about you know, their pH balance and everything else. Eating whole foods... Guess what? Your acidity levels go down, your, your pH balance is, is regulated, and your body's in a more... Uh, 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 y- y- the benchmark that you create for your body mm. is where it should be at. Great. That was well put. You put that really well. I, I really uh, found that really fascinating, and uh, that's, that's some great tips there for the listeners. One more thing I was going to ask, actually, is because a lot of people, you just, you just cleared up everything when it comes to um, health and people eating the right foods to uh, whatever their goal may be, it's going to assist them a lot if they just focus on eating more whole foods and less processed foods, really. Um, as you say, eating with your eyes um, and eating the right, you know, having colour on your plate and eating more fruit and veg and more organic foods. But um, obviously everyone wants to look good nowadays. <laughs> so Absolutely. Um, what, would you, what advice would you give to people uh, who just really focus on, right, I want to get in shape aesthetically. Um, is there any particular advice you give in terms of training, nutrition, um, if it's from an aesthetic standpoint, um, I don't think you should, whether it's, whether you're eating for function or uh, for aesthetics or for, uh, for health, the way you eat should not change. Mm. More so uh, the approach that you take in the gym mm. should That's change. That's what I was going to get at, yeah. Yeah, so if you're, if, you're, if you're training for aesthetics, stop being concerned with your one rep max and you know, you know, trying to compete with your favorite Instagram model and what <laughs> she or he bench pressed or deadlift on Instagram for their PB. No one cares. That's powerlifting. I'm not <laughs> saying that it's bad. It's just a different type of sport. Mm. Now, a powerlifter's objective is to get the weight from point A to point B. Yes, there's technique involved because with technique, you can you know, do things a lot safer. But if you're training for aesthetics, focus on how the weight is getting from point A to point B. Focus on the eccentric part of the movement. Focus on the isometric contraction. Focus on these things. And if you don't know what they are, 
research, do some homework, you're accountable. Mm. And it's not hard to do that these days with no, the, with with the, the World Wide YouTube Web. YouTube and stuff, yeah. Exactly. It's, the information is, is there's, there's a lot of it out there, but there's also a lot of rubbish out there. So put your bullshit filter on and, you know, assess what, you know, information is actually useful and start approaching your training differently. Train for your objectives. Don't train, don't follow a blueprint. There is no one size fits all. You know, downloading somebody else's training program isn't going to make you look like them. Your muscle insertions are different. Genetics. Your body shape is different. Your genetics are different. You know, uh, your body type is different. Train for you. What exactly. are you trying to achieve? And create a training program or get an expert or get a, a, a trainer who knows their stuff, you know, such as yourself, and, then, and get them to create a program for you and follow that. And when it comes to aesthetics and looking good, which is what most people are looking for these days, like I said, it's about how the weight is getting from point A to point B more so than what you're lifting. Mm. Your brain and your body has got no... It, it's not reading the weights on the dumbbells. It's not reading figures. It responds to stress. You expose your body to stress, you will create an environment of hypertrophy, hyperplasia, and all the... Th and these are just, you know, in so layman's terms... Yeah, in layman's terms, yeah, layman's that's terms. creating muscle tone and, yep. you know, reducing body fat and increasing muscle mass... Improving your body composition. Yep, that's what it's ultimately about. That's it. So in order to in order to get to where you want to get aesthetically, guys and girls, um, as Moody just put it um, correctly, there, you need to be lifting weights with good technique and um, obviously with the nutritional advice he gave. Just try and take that on board and um, cut back on the cardio, guys. Man, like, yes, uh, thank you. Know, you. I was going to get to that. Do, do do some do some. You know, focus on weights. Cardio. You're going to burn fat whilst you're doing it. A good go. hard weight session will burn fat for up to 84 hours. So for three and a half days, your resting metabolic rate has increased exponentially. Exactly. So you're burning fat while you're sleeping. That's your it. resting metabolic rate has increased while you're sleeping. That's it. That's what you want. And that's why weights will always be more effective than doing cardio. People will say HIIT cardio is the way to go. Yeah. Okay, HIIT cardio... Hairs. It's splitting hairs, isn't HIIT it? cardio is, 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 is great. I'm not saying not to do it. Yeah, it has But just place. be conscious of what you're doing when you are doing something sure. like HIIT cardio. Yes, you will be burning fat after you jump off that treadmill or off that cross trainer, but HIIT cardio is also known to increase ghrelin. Mm. So if you're hungry or if you're ravenous after a HIIT cardio session, don't wonder why. Learn mm. why. For sure. And for every pound of lean muscle you build, I think it's, it's obviously, um, there's lots of variances, but roughly 30 to 50 calories extra. So one pound of muscle will burn roughly uh, an extra 30 to 50 calories. Yeah, so, so you're creating you an on. environment where you're not only getting rid of your problems, but you're creating an environment physiologically where it's harder for that fat to then come back. Exactly. Muscle, muscle tissue is expensive. The best way to, uh, I try and describe it to people is muscle tissue is expensive to keep on your body. It costs a lot of calories. So by you building muscle essentially to break it down for you, um, you're going to elevate your metabolism and gradually your body's just going to start oxidizing fat faster at a faster rate. And um, you're going to benefit your health in later life as well. Longevity, bone density, and all the rest of it. So yeah, great. That was and awesome. You get, and you get to eat more. It's a lot more fun. Exactly. You get to eat more, and that's, yeah, a lot more fun for sure. I uh, agree. Uh, a person who's, uh, who's eating and satiated is a happy individual. For sure. Yeah, and I'm, uh, I'm one of those people now, thankfully, and I think you are as well, Moody. Yeah? Absolutely. It's a great place to be. But no, where can, um, where can the listeners find you, buddy? And um, also, Man. I just wanted to, big up, I wanted to big up your kitchen. I'm sat here right now in Moody's uh, Health Food Cafe in Coogee in Sydney, and uh, the food here is absolutely incredible. 
I tried the um, I tried the waffles the other day, and uh, I'm very picky in terms of you know I want to know what's going in there. But when I found out it was you owning this place, I thought right, it's going to be the real deal. I'm and it very pedantic, heavily, man. man. I'm I'm pedantic. I've oh, I've, I've um, I felt you know, I've bought out my business partners. Just uh, man, if you, if I go into business with you and you go from rolled oats to quick oats. I'll, I'll, I'll get rid of you. Yeah, exactly. I'll you don't get miss rid a thing, you. do you? No, no, no. He's no. like a hawk. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> when it comes to, if I won't eat it, I won't serve it. If you want to learn more about what I do, I've got, there's the website, which is www.moodydenawi.com. Uh, the surname is a bit hard to pronounce, even harder to spell. Uh, it's got every vowel in it. It's, it's M-O-O-D-I-D-E-N-N-A-O-U-I. But if you type that into Instagram, man, there's enough content on my Instagram uh, to to create books. And, and your that's Instagram not is, your Instagram is the same name as it's at, the same, yeah, at Moody Dinner. And I, cool. it's not it's not something that I've said. I was talking to um, Harlequin and Harper Collins, who were looking to create a, 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 a six book series, and they said, with the amount of information that you've given away on Instagram, the first three books are already done. Mm. So instead of spending money buying books and learn you know trying to acquire information just simply jump on my instagram page and read what's underneath the food posts and there's enough information there to 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 educate you it's you know it's what i i wanted i want to get rid of social media every day and the thing that keeps us going um and you know huge thanks to 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 the people that you know send those direct messages they they matter it's not the, the, it's not the, the athletes or the celebrities that I look forward to hearing from. It's when I get a, a direct message from somebody uh, from a country that I can't even pronounce um, and says, thank you so much. Your post has helped my wife who's in remission from cancer uh, to digest food, who wasn't able to digest food prior to understanding food combinations. Thank you so much. And that will motivate me to, you know, keep going and doing what we're doing. And that's what motivates us. That's amazing. And uh, that's, that's kind of my objective as well, is just to try and um, keep learning and keep evolving and um, just try and inform people as much as I can with the correct information, really. And um, just trying to drop knowledge bombs and, and just generally just help people, you know, just and when it comes what, to And that's health. what you're doing here with this, with this podcast. You don't, exactly. you don't have to. You, you could finish, you can clock off. Uh, you know, at the end of your shift at the gym and then just call it a day. Yep. But, you know, you're making that extra effort to, to educate the people around. You're changing the benchmark of what the expectations are for other people, in the, uh, uh, setting the precedence for what being in the health and fitness industry is really about. Mm. And that's, that's what it's... That's what, if you can't help others and, you know, use your passion to pay your bills then I'd reassess what I'm doing for, for a living. For sure. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah, so go check Moody out. Go, go check out his website. It's definitely worth a look. It's an awesome website. And go follow him on Instagram. And thanks very much, mate, for coming on to the show. It's massively appreciated to have uh, someone like yourself on here. So uh, big up, Moody. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Martin. It's, uh, man, it's something that I, I look forward to. Yep. And sharing content, I believe, if... if it's it doesn't become knowledge until you share it so sure um guys listeners this is uh if you're on the other end of the the table uh, having this conversation with me i'm I'm here anytime any day of the week and mate i'm it's an absolute pleasure thanks very much mate we'll be in touch anyway that's not the end of it for sure um plenty more to come and yeah go check out my instagram at martin silver fitness 
and also my YouTube channel, which is also Martin Silver Fitness. Don't forget to subscribe to my podcast, Optimize Your Body with Martin Silver. And if you could give me a five-star review and leave a comment, that would be amazing. Thanks very much. Over and out.